and our God, how great, great you are. And in our very best moments, we know that so well. And we hold on to it tightly in our difficult moments. And we have the need to be here today together and to praise you together and to greet one another because we know that together we need your greatness and we need to know you and to worship you and to serve you and to have your blessing. So we pray your blessing upon this congregation and upon this church. God, we we pray that you might enable us to love this community with your kind of love and to serve and to reach out with your kind of reaching. And God, that your kingdom may grow. We lift up a search committee who's looking for the next pastor of this congregation and how blessed he's going to be and how blessed shall this congregation be when you reveal your will to them and they to us and we celebrate together. So we lift them to you and ask you to guide them. Lord, our world and our nation and our community, and, and we, Lord, are, are, are dealing with this thing called COVID. And there's so much we don't know. There's so much confusion. Uh, we, we pray you guide us. We pray you hasten the, the day when COVID is no more. And that we can do as we've always done with our ministry to one another and our being together. But in the meantime, God, give us just the courage to look to you and to keep on keeping on. As we open your word this day, would you empower it with your spirit? Would you clear our minds so that we might hear you? And may we hear you gladly and say, yes, Lord. And then may we live according to your word. We dare to ask it in that name that's above every name, that name we love so much, even the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated, and our children who would like to go to Children's Church are dismissed at this time, and they will take care of you if you will join them back there, as you know to do. And... uh, These are good and exciting days for this congregation. We are glad that you're here this morning as we worship. We pray that you find the welcome warm. We pray that you find a hopeful and helpful word from our Father. And we pray that each one of us is better fit to serve Jesus this very week as we live for him. Open your Bibles today, or if you uh, don't have your Bible or don't wish to do that, look on the screen. Our scripture reading is going to be 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, and going through chapter 2, verse 3. I'm heavily indebted this morning to 
Chuck Swindoll for my thoughts about this passage. You're one of the memories I have. Uh, I, I went to Galena Park in 1976 on Bicentennial Sunday, and uh, there was an old man that ran a, a small cleaners in our community named Parker. And Mr. Parker was always handing me sermon tapes. He'd say, this is my son-in-law. You need to know him. And somebody's always given a preacher tapes, you know. And we, for those of you who don't know what they are, we used to have little players in our car that would play those. And uh, I hardly ever got around to listening to those. Do you know who his son-in-law was? It was Chuck Swindoll. And Chuck Swindoll had married Cynthia Parker in First Baptist Church in Galena Park in, in the 1950s. Anyway, that's, that's free. Um, give attention to the Word of God. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren reverently, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you and is being preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And together we have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Andrew Jackson, before he became, I believe, the seventh president of the United States, was an effective and well-known general, very active in the War of 1812. Nearly all wars are very difficult things, of course, and the men he commanded were filled with unrest and began to bicker amongst themselves. And finally, old Hickory had had as much of that as he could stand. He called them together and said simply, gentlemen, you need to remember that the enemy is over there. Not here, but there. A few years ago in Dallas, we had a coach 
who was commenting about the prospects for his team in the coming year, and he remarked, if we can remember that the enemy, the opposition, is in the other locker room, we should be okay. That's a good word. And it's a good word for the church today. The Emperor Hadrian ruled in Rome from 117 to 138. I think that was the year Eddie was born. While he was Emperor of Rome, he got a man named Aristides to go out and try to find out about these strange people called Christians. Aristides was a kind of spy, really. And he made his report to the emperor. A good many things in that report, but the thing that has lived down through the years is this one line. Behold how they love one another. Behold how they love one another. Did you ever wonder what Aristides might say were he writing about Christians today? What would he say about this congregation? Or about the different congregations in our community are about the worldwide church. Might he say, behold, how they love one another? Or would he be more likely to say, behold, how they fuss? Or behold, how they hurt one another? Or judge one another? Or criticize one another. What Chuck Swindoll would call brother bashing and sister smashing. What would it be? Well, a few years ago in Dallas, a very large, a very wealthy church was doing long-range planning, and they hired a PR firm to help them out, and they actually went into the community around their church to do a survey, and the gist of the survey was what do people in our community think about these Christians called Baptists? And it was interesting, because basically they didn't talk about the 5,000 missionaries that we have serving Christ on a foreign field. They didn't talk about the world's largest theological seminary over in Fort Worth. They didn't talk about the largest Baptist hospital at that time in the world, the Baylor Hospital on the in Dallas, nor did they talk about the Baylor School of Medicine in Houston, nor the Baylor School of Dentistry in Dallas, or Baylor University, the largest Baptist university in the world. You know what they talked about? Baptists, they're the group that fight all the time. We were in the midst of our controversy in those days. And the thing they thought about when they thought about us 
was not all the good that we tried to do in the world, but the fact that we can have such a difficult time getting along. How about that? Well, I want to take you back that week before Jesus was crucified. The night before, they met in the upper room for what we know to be the Last Supper. Remember that? They they got there, and uh, they'd walk those dusty roads. We're not unfamiliar with that here. If we wore sandals all the time, our feet would get dirty when we walked those roads. They got there. Custom was to have a servant there to wash the feet of the people who came in from the outside, but there was none there to do that. And you can kind of imagine the scene here, the disciples looking around and and, and, and what they're probably thinking is, I'm, I'm a disciple, I don't, I, don't, I don't do feet. I don't do feet. And you recall Jesus had, had observed that. And he got up and got a basin and a towel and began to wash their feet. And Peter, remember, had such a propensity to to greet every situation with an open mouth, said, Lord, you're you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you're not one of mine. And then Peter said, well, Lord, wash all of me. He said, you've had a bath. You just need your feet washed. And remember what he told them then after going through that. It's, It's in John chapter 13. I'm reading in verse... 13, you call me teacher and Lord, he said, and you're right. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent me. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. And then it's toward the end of that chapter 13 that he says, listen to verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. Even as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for the other. And do you remember in John 17 what we call the high priestly prayer? It's, it's the real Lord's Prayer. The, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer is the model prayer. But if you want to really know the heartbeat of our Lord, you, you, you read John chapter 17 in that high priestly prayer. And in the midst of that, he says, beginning in verse 20, 
I do not ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Friends, that's us. We believe today because down through the years there's been somebody to tell us about Jesus. Who told you about Jesus? Remember? If they're still alive, take the time and write or call them this week. and say, Thank you. Thank you for helping me know Jesus. For those who believe in me through their word, that they may be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst sent me. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be, get this, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them even as thou didst love me. Do you hear our Lord? That we may be perfected in unity. Now, Paul in the book of Philippians, in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, hear what he says. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. It's not wrong to be concerned about our interest. But of even greater importance, the interest of others. We are called to live together in harmony. Now what does that mean and what does it not mean? Well, it does not mean uniformity. It does mean unity. It doesn't mean that we will never have a disagreement nor that we will never have a conflict. In fact, friends, conflict is not bad. It can be very good when it is faced openly in the Spirit of Christ and people come together and make even better decisions. Who is a human person most important to you? It's probably your spouse. Now, if your marriage is like ours for these 50 years, you've never had a crossword and you've never irritated each other a bit, have you? (laughs) 
Sometimes my beloved wife looks at me and says, I have one last nerve left and you're on it. You have children? I bet you've never had a stressful moment with your children. Have you? The people we care most about, we, we still have life with. But there is, by the grace of God, to come a harmony that says together, together, together. I, I've talked to you throughout this, the, the one another times in Scripture. We're together. And that has some very, very interesting implications for us. Now, with that background, let's look quickly at what Peter has to say. Remember that these people to whom Peter is writing initially are people who are scattered. They're pilgrims. They're not at home. They're facing the Aronian persecution. They're struggling. They're suffering. They have problems without end so often. But, but Peter gives them a, a, a kind of, of pep talk saying our hope is in Christ. We've seen before and before. My goodness, now that I have your attention. Uh, we're called to live together in the midst of this kind of world in hope. And in the midst of that, there is that unmistakable call to love. Look again at verses 22 and 23. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is imperishable. That's over and over again in this book. But is not as perishable, but, but is imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. It, it's an unmistakable call to love because we have been touched in obedience to the truth. And as the truth saturates our, our mind, we, we begin to see people, not for all that they do that is wrong, nor all that they may do that offends us, or all that they may do to irritate us, but we begin to see one another as God sees us. And aren't you glad when God sees us, He can see us where we are, but He also sees what we can become. And we can see that. And as we do that, we are to love each other. Well, he says, with a sincere love of the brethren. That is unfaintingly, without hypocrisy, without mixture. It's interesting, the New Testament, there are four Greek words that are translated love. The two most prominent ones in the New Testament, you may likely know, are phileo, which is a brotherly love, a family love, a fondness. It's it's a word from which Philadelphia 
gets her name. Uh, Philadelphia means love of the brothers. I don't think they love the cowboys. But to fervently love the brothers is to have a fondness. A fondness. When, when you encounter Jesus in the gospel, what you, what you see is that, that our, our Lord loved people. He loved people. That kind of fondness. But then the writer goes on to say, Peter goes on to say, fervently love one another. And that word means to, to love with a distinct, committed purpose. And this time, he doesn't use the word phileo. He uses the word agape, which is the God kind of love. It's, it's a love that begins in the mind, in the determination, the will, as opposed to the feeling. It's a love on purpose. Uh, with, with the best kind of love intentionally. And, and then he says that we're to do that from the heart. We're to love with all our heart, our own purpose with our heart. We, we understand what that means it it's a kind of love that that leads us to make a commitment to a spouse in marriage it's a wonderful thing but in the body of Christ it's a kind of love that leads us to make a commitment to one another we're we're going to to love each other and it is that kind of love that reaches out and touches your world it's it's a good time it's a good time for, for us to ask, God, is my intention to love my brothers and my sisters in Christ? Give me your heartbeat to love the, the, the family of God. I am not responsible, really, for whether or not you love me. But I am responsible for whether or not I love you. And that's true of you. You're responsible for whether or not you love not only these in this place, but all who call Jesus Lord. Do you remember the old gospel song, it is not my brother or my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not the preacher or the deacon, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And that is us. Well, as we deal with that, there are four huge reminders in this text that Swindoll ferrets out and points out the sameness to us. They speak to us about that which we do the same, who we are and 
whose we are. You know, our churches are making strides with support groups and reaching out to support one another, reaching out to encourage one another, and we need to hear these. First, we are children of the same Father. Did you get the scripture? He is our Father. Not one of us was naturally born to be able to call Him Father. Every one of us had been adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we who are adopted into the family of God call Him together Father. And we belong to Him, and because we belong to Him, we belong to each other. The very same Father. Well, not only that, we take our instruction from the same source. Look at the latter part of verse 23 and verse 24. Through the living word and enduring word of God, all flesh is like grass, all the glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of our God endures forever. And it is this that has been preached to you. We all come to the source to know about God, the Word of God, which shall live forever. And that Word of God will begin to mold us as we come together and as we study that. It's why you need to be in a Bible study group. It's why we need to open this book and worship as God teaches us in the power of His Spirit through this book, Sunday by Sunday. But not only do we need to be hearers of the Word, we need to be doers of the Word. We all come to the same source. But there's something else. We all have the same struggle. Look again at verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. You want to know things that disrupt the fellowship of churches? Do you want to know things that split apart brothers and sisters? Do you want to know the things, the kind of things that keep the church from adequately reflecting the love of Jesus in the world, here's your list. Here's your list. And these things are are not the typical things that we may be proud that we don't do, but they're sins of the Spirit. These things are not really about drugs and Alcohol abuse or all those kind of things. But they're sins of the Spirit. Look at them. There's malice. That's a word that 
for us is probably best translated just wickedness. And it's the way of the world. It, it, it's a simple operating system of people who are not touched by the grace of God in Christ. But if we're not careful with one another, we begin to reflect that. There, there, there is guile. That's an interesting word. If you're a fisherman, it, it describes uh, the, the bait. Uh, you, you know, you've heard even a fish wouldn't get caught if it kept its mouth shut. Guile is, is a plan to, to deceive. And, and basically in the sin of the Spirit, it's to deceive in order to have your own way. A sin of the Spirit. My way is the important way. I'm going to get my way. There is hypocrisy. And you, you may well know that, that hypocrisy re- related in its original to the wearing of a mask. It wasn't about COVID. But, but in the, the Greek dramas, when you played different characters, you would hold up a mask in front of you. You would look like something you're not. And with hypocrisy, you're trying to look like something you're not. You're trying to play a part without being sincere about it. You're, you're trying to lead others in a foolish kind of way. There is envy. And envy is to look at what others have and, and to long for it. To want what others have their advantage, to be unhappy with where you are, and to miss out on the hope that is in Christ. And there is slander. Slander means to speak evil of. Usually couched in a half-truth. It's a forked kind of tongue. Now, most of us have some struggles with those things. And that's why we need to stay up, caught up with our, our confession to God. Or only He can cleanse us. Those kind of things. And then number four, we focus on the same objective. Look at it. Like verse two of chapter two, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. Milk can be elementary, It's a basic nourishment. 
What's that about? That you may grow. That you may grow. There, there's not one of us who doesn't need to continue to grow. Peter issues a call again later in the book. Grow. Grow. Now what does all this mean for us? Is there someone that's just hard for you to like? Hard for you to love? The body of Christ. What should you do? Pray for them. Pray for them. Not, not so much that they'll change so you'll like them, that you'll change. Because they're a brother or a sister. And you'll like them. Pray that the church and the churches and the denominations and all who claim the name of Jesus We're going to spend eternity together. We may as well learn to love each other now. Get ready. Pray for it. And then, live live like you want to be. Love fervently. Love. And in the context of all this, friends, remember Peter's writing to give us hope. And as we see that love growing more and more, that trust in the eternal hope that we have in Jesus gets more and more real. It just does. So, you know, I don't know that we'll ever get where we don't occasionally get on each other's nerves. But we just may get to the point where we're never unkind. We just may get to the point where we're always willing to bend a little for the sake of togetherness with our brothers. We just may be able to save the world. Jesus makes all the difference. And he does. He does. So, Father... We were sinners and you loved us. We were sinners and you saved us when we dared to call upon you in faith. We're not what we used to be, but we're a long way from perfect. God, thank you that you continue to love us and work among us. And may we reflect more and more of your grace and may that show out in what we do together 
and the difference we make together and the good we do together and the sharing of the gospel we do together and the missions we do together and all we do, may we do it together, not for our sake, but your sake and the world's sake and yes, even the church's sake. God, as we pause for these moments of reflection, we pray that your call to us would be so very real that we'd stand exactly in the center of your will for our lives. For those of us who have yet to call Jesus Lord, may we make up our mind that today's the day we give him our hearts. For those of us who have yet to follow Jesus in believers' baptism, would you speak to us about that? For those of us who may need the church, as this church as a church home, speak. And God, have your way, and we'll be so very careful to give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now very quietly, reverently, let's stand together. We're going to sing together. We call this, in this congregation, an invitation. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not today? If you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit at your heart, it's like you can't say no anymore. You make your way in the aisle here to the front. Let us help you. Maybe God has spoken to you about making this congregation your congregation. If God's calling you for that, this congregation's not what it ought to be without you. And you're not what you ought to be without her. Come. And maybe as we sing together, you say, Lord, more of you, more of you, and more love for these, your people. Sing with joy and come as God speaks. Let's sing together. I'll meet you here at the front. Voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single line that tells me I'm never blessed. And I'm more than just the sum of every high.
being here today and for worshiping God together as the people of God. As always, we've met together to worship. And as always, together here we're the church gathered. But in a moment, we'll be the church scattered, but we'll still be the church. And we go to reflect who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Remember next Sunday, it'll be a fun day when we finish here and go out to the Tedder Ranch and River and uh, experience together Believer's Baptism. And if you've been thinking about that, would like to talk about that, I'll, I'll be around and, and our pastor, other pastors are here and deacons are here. We'd love to talk to you about that. Now, in the name of Jesus... In the grace of God, go and live as sons and daughters of God. You are dismissed.